Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Delay, Jeff Kerr. The football Friday, though, so that's not going to stop us. Birds 365. I'm your host, John McMullen. Jeff Kerr sitting in for Jody McDonald, who was down in Key West, Florida, so he is living the life we all want to leave. Uh, the rest of us are left to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Los Angeles Chargers. You also got to worry about that, Jeff. I, I always want to say I'm busting out to say San Diego Chargers still to this day, but it is the Los Angeles Chargers. Good opponent. Before I get into that, though, and we're going to have pl- plenty of time to talk about it. My buddy from Sports Illustrated, Ed Kratz, is going to join us in about 20 minutes. We're going to talk plenty of Eagles Chargers. But since you're here, because I always get these questions and I can't stand them. I'm going to give it to you. So you're going to have to do the heavy lifting. The Cleveland Browns are going to move on from Odell Beckham oh. Jr. It is very, very evident that is going to happen. They're restructuring his deal. They're hoping to put him on waivers today. If not today, it'll probably be Monday and hope somebody will pick up the deal. So you know Eagles fans, Jeff. Odell Beckham's a guy they've heard of. They want him. Yes or no on OBJ? You know, I forget. I saw it on Twitter when I woke up this morning and someone posted a picture of Odell Beckham in an Eagles jersey. I want to give credit to, I think it was the mighty E-Rock that actually said, that's more of a weed than a flower. And I'm like, that's, that's actually pretty good. I think it was him. I got to double check that. But that that is an awesome quote. And... Greg Ward has more receiving touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr. since he joined the Browns, which I find incredible. Well, whoa, whoa, I think I, th- I thought Jody Mack was in Key West. I think he might be channeling through Jeff Kerr, the biggest Greg Ward fan in the world. That's why I say Oh, yeah, he is the Go biggest ahead. Greg Ward fan in the world. In fact, a guy who was on Good Morning Football last week has more receiving touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr. since he joined the Browns. And that would be another former Eagle, Golden Tate. So 
That's how productive OBJ has been in Cleveland. And they can blame Baker Mayfield all they want. He is not the same player he was prior to 2017. He, he just isn't. Like He's still a name. He's a talent. Would I take a shot on him? Not on this team. I just don't think he helps anything. You know, I, I just don't know what to make of Odell Beckham Jr. anymore. It's I, I always feel like it's going to be a Randy Moss type situation where it's just not the right fit and he'll, he'll go ball out somewhere else. But I just think there's too much controversy surrounding this guy. And I know that we've had that with T.O. with Randy Moss, but can we honestly say he's T.O. or Randy Moss at this stage in his career? I mean, Randy Moss is bad in open, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know, John. It's uh, I just don't think I take the gamble. Uh, I'm with you. I'm just tired of putting the no up on Twitter. Uh, should the Eagles go after insert name and 97, I'm going to say 97.8% of the time it comes back as a no on the occasion. It makes sense. I mean, you got a rookie head coach going through this and you see what's going on in Cleveland. And by the way, who's in Cleveland, Kevin Stepanski, um, and Andrew Berry, and Andrew Berry was in Philadelphia, is very close to Howard Roseman. I mean, people got to do the arithmetic here. Uh, the Eagles want no part of that personality in that locker room while you're trying to grow that flower. You're trying to grow that plant. You're trying to build this chemistry. And I bring up that term chemistry because that's what uh, essentially Kevin Stepanski is, you know, they value chemistry. Uh, more than the talent of the player when the player is being a pain in the you-know-what. Um, so, no. But, you know, from a football standpoint, let's be honest, the Eagles could use another receiver, well, to say the least. That's the thing. It's, I mean, if they took a chance on him, I wouldn't be against it. I, I Definitely not because, I mean, you're right, John. Look at their backups. It's J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who's hurt, Greg Ward, who – I pointed out earlier, somehow has more touchdowns than Odell Beckham Jr. since he joined the Browns, and that's it. I mean, now we're talking about John Hightower being elevated from the practice yeah. squad this week, and you know, Eagles, Eagles fans probably forgot he was even on the roster at this point. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, they're really bad at what <laughs> receiver. I mean, really bad, and I didn't think. I've been talking about this for years. I mean, they've been the worst team in football, 32 out of 32 when it comes to receiver production. And you would hope that Devontae Smith coming in as the number 10 overall pick would elevate that. And maybe it has. I, I haven't, you know, you probably pay attention to the rest of the league more than I do these days. So maybe there's somebody worse out there. If, if you got one, throw it at me, but um. This time, I think it, it has something to do with the quarterback as well, at least when it comes to Devontae Smith. Uh, but the other guys, I mean, if you uh, if you rotated them all out in the offseason and just redid the whole room, I think it would make sense. It, it, see, here's the thing, John. You know, you, you point this out. I think Detroit – Oh, in terms of talent, maybe worse than Philadelphia wide receiver. But if you look at production, I think the Eagles are like 22nd or 23rd in wide receiver yards this year, which is, by the way, is their best since they made the playoffs in 2018. It's It's been a rough couple years for Eagles fans. I mean, Quez Watkins is he's a productive player. Uh, Devonta Smith has made them better. 
Uh, you know, you can go down the list here, but they're the main two. I, I, I honestly, I, I'll go this route, and I know we've had him twice here. Deshaun Jackson wouldn't be a bad fit for this team either. And oh, you, stop! No, I'm, I'm, stop just saying, I'm just I'm saying. Stop! Yeah. Well, well, before you go down that route, I'm going to let you hang yourself. But before you go down that route, I do, you know, want to. You're you, obviously the Eagles played the Lions last week, and I said that coming into the game. Yeah, this is probably the first time all year um, you're going to have an advantage uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, heading into a game, maybe the last time all year. But at least the Lions had some injuries and guys who were supposed to play and supposed to be a big part of that offense uh, are not part of that offense due to injury. So even that, I mean, you could say if Terrell Williams is out there, I forget they had a second injury, I forget who it was. But if if those guys were out there, Cephas, uh, who's, yeah, you know, Cephas, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it changes things a little bit. So Deshaun Jackson, I mean, well, some of the issues that went on before he left with the anti-Semitism and, and Jeffrey Lurie giving him a second chance, a second opportunity. And then you have the constant uh, injuries at this stage of his career and, and the belief that, you know, he's still Deshaun Jackson, which I guess you have to, you know, if you're in that, environment you have to believe in yourself but it's it's not as bad as Odell Beckham Jr but it's kind of the same thing do you really want that in the well of young receivers and and Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager um I don't think the Eagles want that at this point and 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 it makes things more difficult on the head coach as well yeah honestly I I tweeted this the other day I I thought if there's any two teams that go after him, it'd probably be the Chiefs or the Packers just because I feel like it'd be a better fit for what he wants and how they scheme him up. And look, if anybody's going to take a chance on a player like that would be Andy Reid. And I'm a Chiefs fan actually said to me, well, how could they go out to Deshaun when they can't even give Josh Gordon the ball? I'm like, you just kind of answered your own question. Josh Gordon isn't good anymore either. He's just not that player. Every, you know, this is the problem with Odell Beckham. Everybody thinks it's 2014, 2015. Yeah, it's always. Yeah, it, you, you Josh can insert Gordon. any name, Jeff. It could be Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon is the perfect example. Josh Gordon, people think he is put has been put in stasis by all the suspensions, and he's the same guy in Cleveland who had 1,600 yards in 12 games. He's not close to being the same guy from a physical perspective. Either it's Deshaun Jackson, either it's Odell Beckham Jr., Guys don't stay the same. So when you think about the one-handed catch from OBJ, that's not the Odell Beckham you're getting at this stage of his career. Why is it so hard for people to understand that players descend? They see it when they're watching their own team. They have no problem saying it about Fletcher Cox, for instance. But when it comes to somebody outside the organization, they hear the big name, Josh Gordon, being even a better example. And they say, oh, let's go get that guy. I don't get it. I, I still say it's the Randy Moss effect. You know, he was terrible those two years in Oakland. And I, I was one of those people. I said, look, T.O. is a better receiver than him. No matter where he goes, Randy Moss checks out. He's still really talented, but 
he had those problems in Oakland. Then he goes to New England and has 23 touchdowns. That's the NFL record in a season. And I guess everybody thinks that can happen with their team. I'm like, well, no, it's the Patriot way. It was Tom Brady getting him over there. It's Randy Moss checking out. It was a combination of things. And, you know, everybody wants to say, and I love Randy Moss, but I will argue with anybody, T.O. was a better receiver than him. I just right, You're going to lose that argument. I'm going to lose that argument. I will, <laughs> I will argue it because – T.O. is a great receiver. He, he's a great receiver. Here's how I always describe it. I, I had the opportunity to cover Randy Moss early in his career when he, you know, his rookie season when he, he just exploded. I've never seen defenses to this day. I've never seen defenses completely morph their personalities to um, try to stop a receiver. You would have that, this weird, it was almost weird to see from an all 22 perspective, you would see, People do it all the time now, but they didn't do it back then. They would have, obviously, the corner would be on it. They put the one safety all the way over on top of Moss, who was, you know, always outside the numbers because Denny Green started him out with a very small uh, plate of route running. You know, it wasn't like he was in the slot or moving around. So they put the safety way outside the numbers. And they also kicked out the linebacker. Remember, teams still played a lot of 4-3 back then. And they they would also kick out a linebacker. So you had almost like a three-way bracket of of one particular player. And remember, by the way, at the time, Minnesota had another Hall of Fame receiver, Chris Carter. And Jake Reed kid wasn't too big. Jake Reed was the third receiver for people who don't know him. He was really good. Um, it was startling. So anytime I see coaches react to something like that, okay, that tells you this this kid is something. And and then just over the years being in locker rooms, there are certain players that their peers are in awe of. I always use the example. Aaron Donald is the example right now. People, players are just in awe of Aaron Donald. Um, Mike Vick, in a lot of ways, was was sort of like that. Uh, that's Randy Moss for the receiver position. I mean, you, for receivers that grew up with Randy Moss, that not, not grew up, but um, played with Randy Moss, uh, you can't tell them Jerry Rice was better. Never mind T.O. They can't believe, and Jerry Rice was better, by the way. You can't tell them that. I mean, they're like, there's no way. There's no way. And that's not an insult to T.O. because T.O. was a great receiver. But Randy Moss was on a different level. And if you take out those couple of years when he kind of was pissed off and he kind of, you know, I don't know what it was. The depression. We talk about mental health all the time. He was upset about where he was, how he was used, really, in the end in Minnesota with the Raiders as well. And then, obviously, he took off again. If he kept playing during those two we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Well, and that's just it. Unfortunately, that's part of the tale of Randy Moss. And I honestly can't believe how quick Randy Moss tail off like he was 33 years old and all of a sudden he you know he just couldn't play anymore I mean he came back to San Francisco that one year and was you know productive but he wasn't Randy Moss and 
it's actually kind of amazing when you think about the longevity of a guy like T.O. and Well, nobody think? kept themselves in better shape than, than T.O. Uh, but I will, I will give you a little tidbit about Randy Moss because his reputation really coming in was, oh, he doesn't play on certain plays. He takes plays off. It, it was about, I, I don't know, it, he was, um, it had to be. I'll look it up real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, six seasons in. So his seventh season of his career, um, before he missed the game, he he actually um, tore his hamstring um, and still played. By the way, uh, played as mainly a decoy. Um, in, in those first six plus seasons, and I was there for the vast majority of them. He he didn't he didn't miss a practice, never mind a game. So there was this reputation like he didn't work hard. He just relies on this talent. He worked he worked really hard. Oh, he did. And you know those are stories I heard. And uh, speaking of um, a T.O. Jerry Rice thing, uh, I got a chance to do a one on one with Jeff Garcia a couple of years ago. We were talking for three hours. And he goes, Jeff, can you believe my first year as a starting quarterback? I got to throw to Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice, and I'm like. Oh yeah, that's right. Jerry Rice was on the 49ers in 2000. It's yeah, it's kind of hard to believe he wasn't Jerry Rice anymore, but he did have a thousand yard uh, season at 40 years old. So it, it's actually incredible when you think of the era of receiver in that time. I mean, Herman Moore was it, when the Eagles were playing the Lions. Boy, was Herman Moore underrated and Brett Perriman. That you know that it's a shame that the Lions had Scott Mitchell as their quarterback because who would know what that that team would have done in the mid 90s, but. Yeah, I yeah. I I mean, I I bring up Chris Carter all the time because I got to I I got pretty close to him over the years, and um, you see guys today. I mean, they're such dynamic playmakers. We see one here, Demonte Smith. You know, but you see the drop. You see, you've had a drop in the first two games. You you mentioned uh, Herman. You see CD Lamb, who's a tremendous playmaker, but you see drops. He dropped one on Sunday night all over the place. Chris Carter didn't drop the football, man. He did not drop well, he the does football. Catch passes and catch touchdowns. He he didn't he didn't drop the football in practice. He didn't drop he didn't drop the football. I mean, Herman Moore is another guy you brought up. It, it's kind of a different era, obviously, but you know now it's more. I think the the emphasis is on the athleticism and the playmaking, and you just accept some of the drops. I mean, there are guys that literally caught 122 passes with no drops. Irving Fryer was a season. I've never seen drop a pass. And keep keep in mind, I'm really young, but I remember when Ty Detmer or Rodney people throw the ball, he'd catch everything. It's, you know, he was embracing the hit. And I just think today it's it's weird when you see guys drop passes because I'm like, okay, these guys, I, in my opinion, are a little more talented than these guys. But oh, I, They are athletically, but yeah. yeah. It's got to be lack of concentration, right? Well, it's also working on it. It's also technique and fundamentals. You know, Nick Sirianni was talking about it with Devonte Smith this week about, you know, sometimes when the ball's in your stomach, you're in between, you put your thumbs together, you put your pinkies together, you don't know which way to put your hands. That's just reps and reps and reps, and you didn't see that stuff with those great receivers. But, 
now it's time to shift gears, Jeff Kerr. We're going to get into the, the Eagles-Chargers game on Sunday, and we're going to do it with my buddy Ed Kratz from Sports Illustrated after the break. Eagle Maven Ed, I like to call him because he had to switch his, had to switch his Twitter handle for a very short period of time. So that's an interesting story. Maybe we'll get into that as well. Yeah, I thought well. it disappeared for a little bit there. I'm like, oh, Yeah, he disappeared. Ed. He disappeared. So we're going to find out why. Uh, that's a tease on Birds 365 right after the break. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mets and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. There he is. Live Football Friday. Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, John McCullen here. Jeff Kerr sitting in for our buddy Jody Mack, who was at a family wedding in Key West, Florida, Ed Kratz. And I'm thrilled to see my buddy Ed Kratz on the screen. The alarm went off this morning. Eagle <laughs> Maven Ed is in the house. By the way, mine did not go off, Ed. We were wow. joking about this. 
uh, I blame my wife. We don't have alarms anymore. We just use our phones. So usually that's her job. She claims it went off. Nobody needs daylight savings time. Was it ending this Sunday? Does it begin? I don't know. Either way, I can't have it pitch dark in the morning. It's killing me. Anybody else? Yeah. Listen, I still use the old-fashioned alarm clock, even though I forgot to set it last week. Uh, that was the the Las Vegas hangover uh, week. It took me <laughs> several days. But, no, I just remember this as the fallback weekend. I don't yeah. worry about all That's the other. That's what I need. I need it yeah. because I need yeah. the sun to come up. If it's not coming up, I don't think it's time to get up. I need my body clock right, so which is true. ironic because this is a body clock game to the Chargers. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. They got a bit of a break being a, being at 4 o'clock. I also want to get in before we get into the, the weeds of the game, Ed. I like to call you Eagle Maven Ed now, and there's a reason for that. What happened to you? Jeff Kerr said, where did Ed, Ed Kratz go? What yeah. happened? Yeah, it's good good to see you, Jeff. Uh, you hey. might, you know, given John's want to see the sun, you might be on standby for these next uh, couple months until the sun starts coming up, <laughs> you know, really early. So keep your phone charged. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I was coming out of the Grand Canyon, you know, the Friday before the Eagles played the Raiders, and I was I was trying to get one of your stories posted, John, actually, and I was – in this rush because of the three hour time difference. And I wanted to get it up. You got to get that. You got to get that up. That oh, genius yeah. up. You got to get that up quick. Yeah, you write great stuff, John. You, you, your stories do very well. Uh, very well read on the site, but um, yeah. So I don't know. I was, I was panicking. I was, I, I couldn't get in. I was locked out. I was trying every single password I knew. And then all of a sudden the thing blew up. And <laughs> I, I had to go to my emergency <laughs> count at Eagle Maven, Ed. It's and I, account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my burner account. But listen, you know, there were a few people that emailed me from my, I guess, my old, you know, Kratzy, which I'm back on Kratzy now. But uh, it was very nice, you know, followers that I wasn't didn't really know. And they emailed me from the email that was listed there and asked if I was OK. So, uh, you know, I appreciated that. But now I'm back on the, the crisis has been solved. I thank my wife for that, her diligence. It took her about a so week. Was- Always the wife. Yeah. If I get anything done, it's going to be my wife. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm with you there, Ed. Yeah. But, it's uh, been a couple of years, but you know, normally this time of year for us, us former high school beat guys, this is a big weekend for us. It's district playoff weekend. It's kind of weird we're not getting pumped up to cover our first round game. I'm, I'm hoping to get to a game tonight, to be honest, the game in the area here uh, in Bucks County. So I'm you know, I'm going to get the uh, long johns out just like the olden days when we covered those high school games and the, you know, the, the nice, you know, wool hat and, you know, the heavy, heavy armor to, you know, protect against the cold. So, yeah, I'm going to try to get to a game tonight if I can, you know, depending how long this Nick Sirianni press conference goes today um, as we get ready for the Chargers on Sunday. Can't wait. I think it's a, I think it's going to be a good game Sunday. Yeah, I'm with you, Los Angeles Chargers. I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Uh, if you look at what the Chargers do well, you look at what the Eagles have done well. Um, look, the, we'll, we'll start it from the Eagles' perspective. They ran the football so well in Detroit. I think it surprises people. What are they overall? I think uh, sixth overall in rush offense in the entire NFL, and obviously the Chargers – are 32nd dead last overall. So it's got to start there, right, Ed? 
the Chargers are giving up like 160 yards per game on the ground, which is just dreadful. Um, but, you know, I know we've talked about this before. When the Eagles win the toss, if I'm them, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the ball. Take the football. Take it, and, Nick Sirianni. And try to run and establish that run from the very start because when they don't take the ball, their defense comes out and gives up points. I mean, I think in – you know, six of the nine or uh, yeah, six of the eight games or five of the eight games that the defense has given up either a field goal or a touchdown on the very first drive. So right away, you're you're playing from behind. Uh, and then Nick Sirianni sometimes might get a little panicky on the sidelines. And then he just abandons the run and starts to throw. And uh, I think it just screws up his whole approach to a game. So I think you get the ball, you establish the run. Uh, and you try to come out and score some points on that first drive, get the lead, and keep the run in play. And not only is this a game the Eagles should run the ball, they should design some runs for their quarterback. When I was at the Ravens-Chargers game a couple weeks ago, Baltimore did that with Lamar Jackson because they knew the Chargers just couldn't stop him. And I think the Chargers give up the second most 20-plus yard runs this year. I mean, that's that's an insane number, and you got a quarterback who (laughs) – is tied with Lamar Jackson for the most first down runs this year. It would make sense to give the ball a hurts, right? Yeah, and and you might neutralize Joey Bosa in the process. You know, we had we talked to Dallas Goddard this week, and he was asked about uh, you know Joey Bosa and the possibility of having to block him in the run game, and he said, you know, Bosa doesn't get paid to stop the run; he gets paid yeah. to sack like Bletcher, by cool. the way, like Bletcher. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I mean, listen, it, I would run the ball, but. You're not going to see them run 46 times like they did against the Lions. I mean, they had that big lead, and, and you know, they didn't really have to throw the ball at all. But you're, you're going to have to throw the ball more than, I think, 14 times. That's what Jalen Hurts threw it last week. Gardner Minshew threw twice. Uh, so they threw the ball 16 times. But I don't think you're going to get away with that this week because – and John pointed this out when we were talking about it – is because the Chargers can score points, um, and, and they are going to score points. Uh, so, you know – the only way to keep them from doing that is to run the ball, control the clock, and then have your defense come up with a stop or two. My biggest fear in this game, guys, is that the Eagles have already given up four games in which the quarterbacks have completed at least 80% of their throws. And Justin Herbert is the kind of quarterback that can certainly become the fifth. I mean, he's that talented. He's that good. Uh, and, and if that happens, then the Eagles are going to be in trouble. And he's in a bit of a funk right now, too. It might be because of the hand injury, but he had the hand injury most of the year, and he's been clean passes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that- well, well, let's delve into Justin Herbert, because I, I admit um, I'm, I'll raise my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm enamored with Justin Herbert. I think he's going to be a star quarterback in this league for the next decade. Barring injury, we went through this with Carson Wentz here, and we saw what happened early. Uh, and things derailed. So you never know what happens in this league, but boy, he's got a lot of talent. Boy, he can sling the football. And that's a concern, Ed, as you bring up. We, we've talked about Derek Carr, 90% completion rate, 80% for Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And who was the fourth one? Dak Prescott. Um, Dak Prescott. Um, he's that type. He's closer. I'm not saying he's to the level of Mahomes or Brady or even Dak. Uh, but he's tilting towards that level. He might get there uh, sooner rather than later. Did the Eagles go back to that philosophy of we got to play the the safeties in South Jersey? We got to protect. We got to make sure we don't give up the big play. 
Because this week, that might not be a bad plan because Justin Herbert's also very young and he likes to throw the football down the field. So maybe when you put that carrot in front of his face, in other words, you got to go 13 plays. We're not going to give you these big plays. Maybe he tries to force the football into some of that zone coverage. Yeah, and I think one of the defenders alluded to that this week. It might have been Rodney McLeod, he, you know, he pointing out just like you did. He is very young, and he hasn't seen everything yet. Um, so the Eagles will, I think, try to use some disguises to kind of maybe bait him into making some throws that aren't very well advised. I think it will help the Eagles to have Anthony Harris back. It looks like he's going to be a full go. I know he hasn't played, you know, up to what they had hoped coming into the season, but you know, he's a capable back end player. And, you know, I think to have him back will help. Uh, but the thing about Herbert too, is he's just got great weapons around him as well. He has, you know, two very good receivers in Keenan Allen and um, Mike Williams, and he's got a good tight end in Jared Cook. And, of course, Austin Eichler out of the backfield is, you know, kind of that scat back type runner that the Eagles uh, really like to have on their side. You know, um, Kenny Gainwell, perhaps Boston Scott can catch. But, you know, Austin Eichler is very good at running and catching. So, you know, it, it's not just Herbert. It's the weapons around him that make him – uh, very good. Now, you could say the offensive line is a little bit suspect. I know they're starting a rookie out there that I think, John, you kind of mock draft to the Eagles. Rashawn Slater. Yeah. Well, he's playing well. The problem right. is the right it's side. Stor it's it's Storm yeah. Norton that's yeah. – like, he's a backup anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think the Eagles can get after him. They had six sacks against the Lions last week. I think, you know, that kind of jump-started this defense a little bit. I think you're going to see – Herbert gets some pressure on him and uh, you know, maybe he does throw up a bad ball to some of these great weapons he has. And uh, you know, let's get back to the offensive line here. Obviously I mentioned Storm Norton, but I mean, you know, we talked about Rashad Slayer too, and I'm looking at him as, okay, that's the side you keep Josh wet away from because, you know, he's got such a mismatch on the other end, but what what do the Eagles have to do to actually get pressure on Herbert on his blind side? Because it just seems like Rashawn Slayer just doesn't give up anything. Yeah, no, he doesn't. I mean, you're right. But I think they'll kind of mix up that that side of the field. You know, they'll use Sweat. They'll use Barnett. Maybe Milton Williams lines up on that side as well. Um, because the interior is tough. I mean, Corey Lindsley is one of the best centers, you know, yeah. in football. He still is. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, he knows what he's doing in the interior. You know, I know Javon Hargrave has kind of been shut out of the sack column here. And you know, he was off to that great start, I think six uh, six sacks in six games. And, you know, it'd be nice to see him get going a little bit uh, on the interior, but it's, it's a tough interior uh, to get pressure against. So you're right, Jeff, they're going to have to find a way to kind of exploit that weakness on the right side with Norton. And I think they'll do it not just with one guy, but I think they'll mix it up. JG, Jonathan Gannon has showed that, you know, he does like to mix his ends up uh, on different sides to show different looks. So I think you're going to see more of that on Sunday. Yeah. And maybe this is, we saw Josh Sweat kind of break out in Detroit with the two sacks and, look, this is a chance for him to start stacking productive games together because not only is Storm Norton, as we've mentioned a couple times on that great name, not a great player, uh, but they also have a fifth-round pick. They're starting at, at right guard, uh, Brendan Jameis. So uh, that entire side is – that's where you have to attack, I would think, 
if if you're Jonathan Gannon up front, you want to get some pressure uh, on Justin Herbert. But let's shift it to the offensive side because, you know, let's face it, it's always the story in this town. You got a rookie head coach who's been up and down. You know, I notice in the game notes they're playing out the Eagles, and God bless them. Uh, Philadelphia is one of the only four NFL teams to post multiple win margins of 24 points this season. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's week one against Atlanta, and it's week eight against Detroit. So you have those great bookends. The meat of that sandwich, pretty bad, though. <laughs> pretty, pretty bad. Uh, they don't want to talk about that part of it. Uh, how does this team get consistency against? Um, uh, and let's put, you know, one other thing I want to bring up about those first, those bookend games. Rookie head coach, Arthur Smith, rookie head coach, Dan Campbell had some interim work, but rookie. Now we go again, rookie head coach, Brandon Staley. Is Nick Sirianni the best of the rookie head coaches, Ed Kress? <laughs> uh well, against those two, he has been for sure. Campbell <laughs> and uh, and uh, Smith now, and there's not and there's more rookie coaches on the schedule. They play the Jets, Robert Saleh on. You know he's winning that one. Come on, a couple of weeks you would hope. Uh, but yeah, I, I I guess at this point you probably have to say yes. Now Staley got off to a great start. I think they were, I think they were four and one, and then they've lost their last two games. They were on a bye, so they've played one fewer game than the Eagles and some other teams, but uh, yeah, I think right now um, Nick Sirianni looks like the best of the bunch. I'm trying to think who else is out there as a rookie head coach, but I thought it was Staley for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So uh, it's uh, as strange as that sounds. Yeah. Nick Sirianni (laughs) is the best rookie head coach so far in the NFL. How about that? Get clipped that Xander. Clip Ed Kratzen. <laughs> and, and here's one for you since you're on a roll right now. Say the Eagles would happen to win Sunday. And we, I think everybody here would agree that would be a big win for this franchise, not just for this year, but going forward just with the talent that they have. Dare I say it, though, they would be four and five, and we all know this number seven seed in the NFC is not very good. It's Right now it's Carolina, and the Eagles defeat them. Uh, and with the schedule coming up, we all know it's the easiest schedule left in the league. Is it fair to, dare I say it, talk potential playoffs just because of what the situation is? I, I absolutely. Um, you playoffs. know, playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, listen, you, you might say, oh, well, you know, doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of transitioning and getting these good, you know, high picks in each round in the draft? But, you know, I think getting in the playoffs would do this team, uh, uh, you know, give them some good experience in the playoffs with some of the young weapons they have in Devonte Smith, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, you know, that would help for these guys to experience the playoffs so quickly and so early in their career. Um, but yeah, a win certainly four and five in an NFC that is pretty top heavy. And then kind of, you know, a bunch of teams kind of cluttered around that five, six, seven spot. Uh, yeah. I think you can start talking playoffs. Heck, we're, we're talking playoffs. Now they're one game out. With nine, yeah, why play. not? Why yeah, not? Blame Nick Sirianni for beating Carolina. That's all that this started. It's it, the NFC is just an. You're right, Ed. Out the Saints may have separated, but the NFC is an absolute joke after that. 
It yeah. is. You know, I brought this up on, on football 24-7 yesterday, so I want to run it by you guys. You can make a strong argument that looking at the rest of the Eagles' schedule, and I'm looking at it right now, that this is the best team left. Now, I say that Dallas is week 18. Dallas is a good yeah, football team. Yeah, that game might not mean it. Might not mean it. They're, they're going to have this thing wrapped up, the division, by Thanksgiving. So week 18, maybe they don't play anybody. And and the only reason they would play anybody is if they're jockeying for seeding position and really probably the number one seed. And that that's probably unlikely from an odds perspective and then the other team, you have New Orleans coming in here in a couple of weeks. Uh, who's a good football team? Better than I thought, but they just lost their quarterback. And now they're going to have Trevor Simeon, most likely, playing quarterback coming in here. So the rest of the schedule at Denver, not a good football team. Uh, at the Giants, at the Jets, the back-to-back New Jersey turnpike games against two horrific teams. Then you have Washington, Giants, Washington. I mean, that's all. That's as easy as it gets. Why can't you talk playoffs? I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent, but you're going to win keep, a bunch of games in there. That's why we keep saying they can go 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and no matter how bad it is because of the teams they're facing. Look, we thought Washington, they, that was going to be a big matchup early in the season. I know they only yeah, won Yeah, I thought beat. Washington would be better. I yeah, guess. it's they're terrible. I mean, them and the Giants, I remember watching week two, I'm like, both these teams are Bad, like how bad are Eagles are in second place in the NFC East right now? That's all I gotta say. Second place team, baby. Hey, but the Giants are waiting in the weeds, man. They were pretty angry last year when they perceived the Eagles to tank that game, which cost well, well, them in their eyes a playoff spot. Uh, so you know, the Giants have been waiting for this game, they've had to wait a while because they don't yeah. play until after Thanksgiving and then they play two weeks later, I think. Um, so you know, the Giants aren't just going to roll over for the Eagles. And, you know, you have a coach there in Joe judge who's battling to keep his job. Uh, Washington, the, the odds were stacked against them from the start because nobody ever repeats as NFC East champions. I mean, it's been such a long time since it happened. The Eagles were the last team to do it in 03 and 04. So, you know, what's that? I was in high school last time they did that. Yeah. Okay. Well that, yeah, I wasn't born if you believe that. Uh, All right. Uh, <laughs> Eagle Raven Ed definitely wasn't born. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the odds, you know, you knew coming in Washington was going to have a hard time bucking that trend, in my opinion, especially when you looked at the quarterback spot with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who started the year there and now he got hurt so soon. And Taylor Heineke's the guy there now. So uh, it was, to me, it was Dallas was going to be the best team. I didn't think they'd be as good as they are. And you're right. I mean, I think they could be the number one seed when you look at what's going around with Aaron Rodgers now. You know, that whole debacle in Green Bay, he's not going to play at least against the Chiefs on Sunday. You know, they're a candidate for the number one seed. Tampa Bay has, I think, two losses. They're in the mix for that spot. The Rams, of course. But, you know, the Cowboys are right there with those teams, in my opinion. I think they're good enough to be the number one seed. So, yeah, that Week 18 game could be meaningful. It could mean something. It could could be. It could. Uh, Eagles fans don't want to hear it, but Dallas is – they have a good team. They have yeah. a really good team. And Micah Parsons looks like looks like a player. Uh, but the Eagles, Penn State. Well, yeah, but the Eagles don't don't care about linebackers. So uh one linebacker left. So two questions, Ed. Your favorite moment of the Eric Wilson era 
and your thought <laughs> process on the linebackers moving forward. It's going to be TJ Edwards and Davion Taylor. Alex Singleton mixing in. Is that good enough to get this team to competency? I'll, I'll use that word. I won't even use playoffs. Competency. I, I've always liked TJ Edwards. Um, I think it's about time they probably started looking at him more as the answer in the middle. I mean, he was very productive against the Lions and very, you know, he, yeah. he didn't play as many snaps because it was a blowout, but he had 13 tackles. Um, he did a nice job on a blitz. He got the golf just as he got rid of the ball, but impacted that throw. But, you know, you could say that maybe he's limited in coverage and uh, yeah, he probably is. But, you know, I think he's their best solution. And Davion Taylor, to me, just seems to get a little bit better each week. Um, so I think this is a good change for the Eagles. Alex Singleton was a great story last year, kind of, you know, came into the lineup late after Nate Gary went out with an injury and then never came out. And he had 120 tackles. But, you know, he's got some limitations. Uh, good player to have on your side. But, you know, I think over a 16-game schedule, he may not play as well. Um, so I like this move to Edwards. If you're not going to invest a lot of resources in that position, then you have to hope guys like Edwards, uh, who was an undrafted guy. And now Taylor, he was a third round pick. So there, there's a little bit of an investment in him. Uh, but you hope these guys can be the answer going forward, at least get you to the offseason when maybe, you know, your, your feeling on that position changes, especially because you have so many early picks uh, in the draft. You know, maybe they spend one on a linebacker. Because I think that's what JG likes. I think he likes to have his linebackers make plays in his defensive scheme. And that means the defensive line ties up blockers, something they're not real used to, something Fletcher Cox spoke out against that, you know, he doesn't like occupying blockers and taking on double teams. He likes to split double teams and get upfield. But that's not the way Gannon wants to play. He wants to free up linebackers to make plays. Mike, Micah Parsons would be a great fit uh, on this team. And he was there for the taking. He he would have been there, I guess, at 12. Um, or maybe not. Maybe the Cowboys would have taken him at 10. But he would be a great fit on this team. Uh, Nick Bolton, who I think was the, the AFC Defensive Rookie of the Week, uh, the linebacker for the Chiefs, he came at number 58 in the draft. He would have been a nice fit on this team. But, yeah, I think they need better linebackers. Edwards right now, I think, that is the best of the bunch. And I don't have a good memory from the Eric Wilson era. To be honest. <laughs> you didn't pick up Patrick Mahomes, though. That's true. There you go. Jeff Carr coming up with the uh, I mean, a lot of people could say that this year, but Eric Wilson was on that list. So Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good one, Jeff. Yeah, I was racking my brain. I was I was filibustering there, talking about the linebackers. The one, yeah, the one highlight. Of. That's why yeah. Jeff Kerr's here. He got it. The one highlight yeah. of the year. Well, by the way, got picked up on waivers. Didn't last long. Mm -hmm. uh, Houston Texans picked him up on waivers. Really nice guy. So good luck. Derek yeah, he's Wilson. a good guy. And, and you know, it's yeah. interesting because I thought I thought it'd be Brett Toth who got so did uh, I. I yeah. would be yeah. the one to get claimed. And Brett Toth wasn't claimed. The Eagles re-signed him to their practice squad, released Craig James, by the way. Yeah. Uh, which was a bit of a surprise. But I guess they've got like, you know, 110 quarterback uh, cornerbacks. So why it is amazing. One? Yeah. I was on the practice field and I told you JG came over. We were chatting, we were shooting the <laughs> the breeze for about 10 minutes before practice started. But I'm looking at the defensive backs. It's amazing. It's like uh, it, there's so many defensive backs on this team. And the vast majority of the corners, let's they don't play. 
I mean, it's just Slay and Nelson and Maddox because they played well. That's been the strength of this team. I, I do think the COVID rules enable you to do some unique things on the roster that you couldn't do before. Because if you didn't have six a 16-man practice squad, like the Eagles are banged up at receiver this week as an example, they're just going to elevate most likely John Hightower, I would, I would presume. Uh, and you can go about things that way. Where in years past, pre-COVID, I mean, you had to have players at other positions in case somebody got banged up. I think the Eagles feel more comfortable grabbing these darts at cornerback and say, let's try to find a cornerback. And they keep adding and adding and adding. You think it's a, a good philosophy for, for Howie Roseman? Is? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, listen, Darius Slay's contract is going to cost them about $22 million against the cap next year. And then 23 million the year after that, he's 31 years old. Steve Nelson's on a one-year deal. So, you know, bring some guys in, see who you can develop, because they're going to probably be on the field next year, some of these guys. Um, and, and I will say in the pre-draft process, I like Tay Gowan a lot from Central Florida, and I like Kerry Vinson a lot from LSU. Um, and maybe the Eagles would have drafted them had, you know, they've been available when their turns came and whatever round they went in. But, yeah, I think they're going to need them uh, because – I don't think Nelson's going to be here next year. I, I don't know if Slay's going to be here. It's, like I said, his contract is really prohibitive. I don't know what you can do to get out from under that. Um, and I like Slay a lot. I think he's having a terrific season. Uh, a great year. Yeah. Great year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and I'm not saying they should part ways with him, but you just have to figure out a way to make that contract work a little better. Um, so, but yeah, I think these, these rookie corners are going to have to learn this year. And listen, remember Jonathan Gannon said that he had no dime defense. He never played a dime defense and maybe one way to stop these quarterbacks from throwing for an 80% completion rate is to play some dime defense. So, you know, maybe guys, you know, Tay Gowan's been here since what, October 15th when they traded Zach Ertz for him to mm -hmm. Arizona, oh, you know, maybe cool. he's ready to step on the field as that extra cornerback. Maybe you see a little bit more dime defense from Gannon. Now that he has these guys that he can kind of, you know, get some experience with Tay Gowan, Kerry Vincent, um, even Mac McCain, who's, you know, been kind of Mr. Inactive since they still uh, don't know what Mac looks like. Still, no. haven't, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't even so. confirm that Mac McCain exists. Yeah. I haven't seen him yet. Yeah. I and did Mac see him yesterday. I probably have video of him yesterday. What's his number? Real quick know. pop quiz. He's okay. Gay, I, isn't he? I now I have to look it up. <laughs> what 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 yeah. I have to look up Mac McCain. 37. Oh, I was close. There okay. I was 38. 37. Yeah. So, I mean, these are guys numbers we're probably going to have to get familiar with. I, I think, yeah, that, to answer your question, John, yeah, I think that, that it's a good idea to have these young guys on the roster because I think they're going to play next year. But we could also see these young cornerbacks step in this year and help in maybe a dime defense situation. Uh, Ed, we'll pull on our draft caps for a second here. Uh, we all know the Eagles draft situation right now, the three first round picks. Uh, that first round pick from the Colts is coming. I, I am sold on that after last night. But we got the Dolphins pick, the Eagles' own pick. I think they're both going to be top ten. Now we all we talked about Kenny Pickett yesterday, but I want to go a little farther in the quarterback here. Do you draft the best available player with that highest pick, or do you go for the need? I go for the best available player. I mean, that's 
certainly what I would do. I don't know if quarterback is going to be a need in their eyes. I don't know how they feel about Jalen Hurts. They might oh, try to get a another, need. Yeah. They might what try to get need? another season out of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. You know? I mean, I like I Matt Quarrell, the kid from Mississippi. I think, you know, maybe he fits Malik Willis. I mean, we have to go through the whole offseason draft, you know, process for these guys to see, you know, how they stack up. Certainly Kenny Pickett would be in the mix, but you know, the best available player to me, if you're taking the Dolphins pick in the top five, which the Dolphins are one and seven, that looks like a, a pretty good idea that they're going to have. They a should win this week, though. The Texans? Yeah, they should yeah. win this week. Okay, well, we'll see about that. Um, the, the Texans might be saying the same thing. We should win this week. I, uh, I got a bunch of Houston fans, Ed, just waiting for that second win in Houston because I picked the Texans to go 1-17, and I got absolutely bombarded on Twitter when they won week one. I'm like, congrats, you beat the Jaguars. Yeah, I know, right. That Yeah, they got off to a great start, you could Which say. Which my win, by the way. That, that yeah. was the game I picked. Yeah, yeah, so far so good for you, but, uh, you know – Maybe the Texans find a way to win and drop Miami to one and eight, but still that Miami pick is going to be pretty high. And I would go with it. I think they need defense of help, but you know, and I, the way they like their defensive lines and offensive lines, I, I think the best player available could be the kid from Oregon, the pass rusher Thibodeau from Oregon. I love that Aiden Hutchinson uh, end from Michigan a lot. Uh, I would go with one of those two guys, if they're sitting there, whatever that first pick's going to be in the first round, I think you have to go defense. And the way they value the line, I think they go defensive uh, defensive end and then maybe get a quarterback later. Uh, again, that's all dependent on their evaluation of Hurts and their evaluation of these quarterbacks coming out. Now there's that other school of thought that they could part with some of these picks to try to get Russell Wilson. Yeah, uh, You know, that's really picked up steam, and I could see them trying to do that. So – you know, we still have nine games to go in this season to figure it all out. Uh, that All that stuff is going to play out, and it's really going to be fun to talk about once it starts to pick up steam when this season uh, comes to an end. Speaking of Twitter, since Jeff brought up his, his Twitter angst, have you gotten any Eagles should pick up OBJ comments yet on Twitter? <laughs> I've gotten on Facebook and Twitter, and my question is why? You know, why, why, um, you know, to me, you know, I think he turns 29 today. OBJ yes. uh, reports out of Cleveland, how he doesn't talk to anybody. He's just kind of this aloof, uh, you know, figure. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a real good influence to bring into a locker room where you have, you know, a bunch of 22 year old kids with Smith and Watkins and Rager. Uh, you know, I don't, I think you want to keep someone like that out of the locker room. And really, has he been that talent that we've seen the last, you know, well, he's talented, more? but he hasn't been that good. Yeah, no. And, and I think a lot of it is just his attitude. You know, yeah. he, the good thing for him now is he's going to be able to pick his team. He's going to be able to pick his situation because the Browns are going to release him. Um, and, and that's a bad move by the Browns that, you know, it's hard to believe they would just cut him and not try to trade him for whatever before the trade deadline. Uh, but now he's going to be able to pick his team. So you hope that he's going to be happy with wherever he goes, wherever he picks. And then we'll see the Odell that we saw, you know, in New York for those couple of years before he went to Cleveland. Cause he didn't do a whole lot in Cleveland. Maybe his first year he did, but you know, the last couple of years he's been, you know, very underachieving. Well, it is interesting, Ed, because they they're reworking his deal to make it more palatable for somebody to pick him up on waivers. Uh, so maybe he can't pick his own situation, mm -hmm. but 
I I would wonder what team would go down that route to claim this guy. I have a guess. Go ahead, Jeff. The Saints. Maybe. Yeah, Sean That's Payton. <laughs> you, to me, you would need a really, really strong head coach like that. You probably like a strong Tom Brady, for instance, could probably get him on the straight and narrow, but they don't need him. They have mm-hmm. uh, more receivers than anybody needs. They don't need Antonio Brown either, and they have. <laughs> yeah, but they're not. That's the type of situation he needs. Uh, but back to the Eagles and Chargers. We got to get you. And before I say that, Make sure you read Ed, obviously, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagle Maven or just EagleMaven.com, which is a lot easier. Now he's back up and running on Twitter as well, at Cratch E. K-R, you see it right there, K-R-A-C-Z-E. By the way, I think at Eagle Maven Ed is easier for people, Ed. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing that throwing that out there. But I need your prediction. You can, you can follow Eagle Maven Ed. I just don't put anything on that account anymore. <laughs> no, save that, save that for the burner account. Although yeah. I think people are going to be able to figure out it's you. Um, <laughs> hunch. Just a hunch. Now, yeah. you've got to remember this, too. So there's a lot of pressure on you, not just for picking the game, but you and I have to pick the game for Sports Illustrated. So we have to be consistent. So you got to not only pick the game, but remember picking the game and then pick a game again later. So go. <laughs> I have to redeem myself after picking the Lions last week. I'm kind of glad Jody wasn't on the show today. Uh, I picked the Lions last week. I got slammed on Monday. Yeah, I'll tell you. I, the negative guy picked the Eagles. This guy. Yeah, by one point. No. Hey, I picked the Eagles. I you picked them the cover, though. No, I yeah. did not. Uh, take the win. Jeff and I can't. We were we we went against the Eagles, but listen, the way the Philadelphia was playing and Detroit was competitive, I just thought the Lions were gonna were gonna get their first win. Didn't happen. Uh, gosh, I've gone. You know, talking here about this game, I, I'm leaning toward the Eagles, but I'm gonna pick the Chargers uh, to come in here uh, and to win a game. Uh, I'm gonna call it 27 to 23. Uh, Chargers win. Doubling down. Doubling like down. Uh, SI.com, Eagles Maven, the great Ed Kratz. Thanks for stopping by. I will see you with Nick Sirianni in a little bit. Uh, maybe even some off-the-record stuff that we can't talk about. Let's get uh, excited about that. So Absolutely. Um, make sure you read Ed at EagleMaven.com. Uh, more Football Friday, Birds 365 after the break. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back, Football Friday, Birds 360. John McMullen here with you alongside Jeff Kerr. It is Eagles Chargers week. It's good to have a home game. I can tell you after going to Las Vegas and Detroit back to back, those things wear you down, those road trips. You can imagine if you're a player. So it's good to get back at Lincoln Financial Field, Jeff, but that hasn't been good for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this particular season. They are winless at home uh, to date, only three games, but 0-3 is 0-3. And typically, certainly during the Doug Peterson era, uh, Lincoln Financial Field was one of the more difficult places to play in the NFL. Um, they got to get a home game. And they got to establish some kind of an identity at Lincoln Financial Field, get this back to being one of the more difficult places to play. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one thing, John, I always found it weird that they go through these stretches at home. They did it in the Chip Kelly era. They're doing it now. When you go to Baltimore or when you go to New England, you always feel like, okay, the chances of winning there are difficult, but it feels like it's 10 times more difficult because of the crowd or because of the atmosphere or whatever. And the fans definitely bring the atmosphere, but I don't know if you're a visiting team coming in here now, it just feels like, man, we can come in here. We can steal a victory. 
and I, I think the problem is to the opponents. I mean, the Chargers are really good this year. Um, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Bucs are the Bucs. And it was a short week. Everybody, and look, the Eagles played these teams tough, but they weren't going to They weren't going to win these games. But I don't know. It, it just feels like the schedule has a lot to do with it. But overall, I think teams know this is not veteran stadium. You can come in here and you can beat this football team, especially an Eagles football team that is not elite right well, you know, Jason Kelsey uh, spoke this week, and um, he got a lot of, of chuckles, as he usually does, for his quote about the Eagles' cafeteria. But buried in there uh, was something I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and, in, and he was asked about the struggles to win at home uh, this particular season. And he kind of went on, on, a, on a path uh, – where he went said that Jim Schwartz's defense was maybe a little bit more uh, difficult to deal with in a home environment because of all the aggression of the front four. And you have the loud crowd you have to deal with as an opponent. You have the silent counts. Uh, you're a tick late off the ball. And the Eagles aren't playing that way this year to date with Jonathan Gannon. And I know Jonathan Gannon has been a bit of a lightning rod because of the style of play, his scheme. But I look down, uh, the Eagles have a top 10 defense, Jeff Kerr, number nine overall in the NFL. Is that surprising to you? Uh, well, not – I should say yes and I should say no because – I feel like they give up a lot of points, but the passing yards, they really don't give up a lot of, it's more of on the ground, you know, and that's what was kind of shocking me. I thought the Eagles would be good at stopping the run and they're not, they don't give up a lot of pass yards, but the completion rate is insane. And look, I'm still, I, I want to say on the fence on Jonathan Gann, because I think he's a really good, he's an instinctive mind. I think if he has the personnel, he is going to be one of the elite defensive coordinators in this league, but I think he has to adapt to his personnel a bit. And last week he did. I want to see him do it now against a better tier of quarterback, not Jared Goff. <laughs> Poor Jared Goff. It is a better tier of quarterback. Uh, no question about it. But I think you did see some improvement in, well, obviously you saw some improvement in Detroit because it was such an emphatic win. But Jared Goff um, is accurate. If you don't get him off his spots, he's not like one of those quarterbacks that is just going to uh, miss receivers. Um, I Obviously, his history is his history when it comes to coaches other than Sean McVay. So it's tough to uh, wrap it up in a bow and sell it as anything more than beating a horrible football team. But I have noticed a, a different sort of energy around the Novacare complex this week. I think this team gained some confidence from beating a team, even if it was a winless team. And I, I, I always talk about Denny green was the first one I heard it from. I'm sure Denny is not the first to say it, but he used to call winning a habit. Can it become a habit and losing as a habit as well from his perspective? And he's not wrong on that. And, 
look, I, I don't care if it's the Lions. And I, I said it on Twitter, too. I don't want to hear it's the Lions. It's an NFL team. I, I, I don't care. They're on your schedule. It's better than losing to the Lions. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's like you said, the atmosphere in the locker room is better. Now you're starting to think, okay, maybe we can be a team like the Chargers. And this is why I brought up the quarterback thing, because I want to see Jonathan Gann make those adjustments he did last week, this week, because after we, – and we talked about this. After Justin Herbert, who's the next league quarterback you're facing? Who's the best quarterback you're facing? You're, you got yeah, who we got? We got yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. So Mason let's Hill. go down the list. We got Teddy Bridgewater. We got probably Trevor Simeon. Or maybe Taysom uh, Hill if he starts. Or maybe Taysom Hill. Uh, I would think they would go with Simeon, but we'll see. Um, Daniel Jones. Yeah, yeah. You would figure, I, I don't know. Do we do we have any clear indication on, on Mike White's injury or when Zach Wilson will be back? Uh, the MRI's not out. Apparently, Mike White will be good to go next week because right, he said so. it was one of those like numbing hand injuries he just couldn't throw, but he should be okay. Well, even even if it is Mike White or Zach Wilson, I mean, we can't overstate that. I mean, it is still Mike White, even if we call want to call him Mike F and White, whatever you want to call him, or if Zach Wilson is back by that point, or if it's Josh Johnson who threw for three hundred yards in half a game, which is amazing. He threw for half his career total in yeah. one game. Yeah. Uh, Washington then with Trevor uh, uh, Taylor Heineke. Getting Taylor Heineke and Trevor Simeon mixed up. Um, Daniel Jones again, Taylor Heineke again, and then it might be Cooper Rush and not Dak Prescott in Week 18. Yeah, I mean that's 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 as good as it gets. That's a heck of a lot better than Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. You had one respite with Sam Darnold, Tom Brady, Derek Carr. That was the the. The, the gauntlet they ran and, and why that sandwich to the two pieces of bread that were the Atlanta Falcons and Detroit Lions didn't look very good. Yeah, and that's what the shocking part was. You know, they're facing all these league quarterbacks so early. And normally, like before the season, I, I would have given them a chance against the Raiders just because they were the Raiders. I know their defense improved, but – Derek Carr's always been helter-skelter. Well, they got a really good version of Derek Carr. And Derek yeah. Carr's had a really good year, don't get me wrong. But it's that I always felt that was going to be one of the toss-up games. And, you know, the lines you could beat, obviously. Atlanta was a, a winnable game for them. And I, I called it a must-win game for week one just to set the tone for the year. And they were able to do that. But, yeah, you're right. It's That's why the, those two games that were sandwiched in there, it's like they're not impressive wins per se, but – there are still wins, and same with Detroit. It's I, honestly, John. We can sit here and say it's not a surprise they're three and five. Just if you went down the list at the beginning of the year and said the Eagles were three and five going into this game, you would probably be like, "Yeah, okay, maybe four and four, but three and five, definitely." Oh yeah, not not a problem at all. I think Jody and I both had them at two and five, and we each had them uh, being a little bit better than expected because. The back half of the schedule is the back half of the schedule. It's kind of unfurled as it was supposed to. Uh, the first half was going to be really difficult, and the second half is shaping up as being uh, having at least a lot of winnable games. Now, if you start losing some of these games, then it gets tremendously, tremendously uh, disappointing. Uh, I kind of want to bridge 
before we get to our next break, I want to start on, you know, Brandon Staley, because I think this is such an interesting story uh, for a number of, of, of reasons. One, he's become sort of a cause celebrity around the NFL for some of his uh, podium comments and everybody seems to love him. Um, but his history with Jonathan Gannon, which we'll get into more after the break, but it's r- really interesting. Um, they grew up together, essentially. They, they met each other at 10 years old playing basketball in the Cleveland area and have stayed very, very close. But before we get to that part of it, um, there was a report from Jeff McClain. I, I mentioned it earlier this week that Brandon Staley obviously was one of the hot candidates um, in this year's coaching uh, carousel uh, hiring cycle. Uh, the Eagles wanted to interview him. Uh, he declined the interview. And then it was kind of spun like it was because of Howie Roseman. Um I think it was late in the game. <laughs> yeah, a couple, couple things there. It was very late in the game. He had already essentially secured the job with the Chargers. Now, Robert Sala, same type of thing. He had already ascent, essentially secured the job with the Jets, Arthur Smith um, with the Falcons, and they both interviewed with the Eagles, sort of more than anything else as a favor because they already knew where they were going. But still, he didn't. And the assumption was because of, of Howie Roseman. And look, I, I mean, if you can get personnel control, it's great. But it's not exactly rare where rookie coaches aren't getting personnel control. In fact, it's rare when they do, uh, when they get full control. Uh, so that's number one. The The other uh, thing I want to bounce off you is the fact that look, if you're Brandon Staley, the first thing I'm thinking is Jeffrey Lurie's not hiring a defensive coach. When's the last time he's hired one? Ray Rhodes? Ray Rhodes. Yeah. So his yeah, first one. It, that, it, yeah, it just didn't seem like a fit for the city. Now, if he really wanted to go outside the box and do that, absolutely. But it just made too much sense for Brandon Staley to go where he's going. One, he didn't he, probably didn't even have to move his office like it, it, at least in, in SoFi Stadium I mean already is in LA he's there it was just a natural fit for him and yeah too it's yeah, maybe Howie Roseman had something to do with it I don't think as much as Jeff let on but I, I'm sure I mean every coach wants personnel control but you're right John it's when did they get it Andy Reid didn't get it right away uh Chip Kelly didn't get it right away I, I don't even think Chip Kelly ever deserved it to begin with so yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice perk to have. It's probably a good thing to get a top-flight coach in here. But really, if you want to blame Howie Rosen for anything in this, it's they fired Doug Peterson too late, and they were late in the game. And, you know, maybe they get lucky in getting a Nick Sirianni here. But if they would have done this a week earlier, they would have had their choice between Arthur Smith, Brandon Staley, Robert Sala, whoever they wanted. Well, I don't know if they would have had their choice. I mean, it's hard but, to be – Their chances would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> They they would have been in the mix. Now, one of the things that, look, if if you put all those jobs uh, that were open up to me and said, all right, Johnny Mac, take your choice, I would have taken the Chargers for the, ob- for the most obvious reason of all. <laughs> exactly. 
Justin Herbert, ready-made quarterback, already there. Uh, all the other situations you have to worry about. Now, Matt Ryan's a proven guy, but later portions of his career. Uh, and we know some of the other unfortunate issues in places like Houston and Philadelphia. Get You know, there's not a a ready-made quarterback for you. Obviously, the Jets, who are rebuilding with Zach Wilson. Um Maybe Mike White. Who knows now? Uh, so it always made – I mean, why wouldn't you go with the Chargers? So I do think that sometimes people make uh, Howie Roseman out to be the boogeyman uh, and make him out to be this cartoon villain. And I'll just say this. Remember, Howie Roseman saved you all from Adam Gase because the Eagles wanted to hire Adam Gase And the reason they didn't hire Adam Gase is because they were just coming off Chip Kelly and they were not giving personnel control, no matter what, to a a new head coach. Adam Gase was able to get it in Miami. How'd that work out for them? (laughs) You know, this is actually really funny. Uh, Most of the backup quarterbacks that won last week, Mike White, Trevor Simeon, um, I've the other one's drawing the blank right now. Um, Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. You know, they all were coached by like Adam Gase at some point. I think they all were together by Adam Gase. It's, yeah, yeah. It's really weird. Uh, I, maybe not Cooper Rush, but definitely Mike White and Trevor Simeon were in that room with Adam Gase. And and they won because, in spite of Adam Gase, not, not because of Adam Gase. It's, no. But yeah, it, it's funny how the guys, the Eagles always seem to settle on not their guy and it works out for them. You know, Andy Reid over Jim Haslett is the prime example of that. And, you know, Doug Peterson over Adam Gase. It's, and Ben know. McAdoo. They wanted Ben McAdoo. Yeah, they ben, want ben, remember the whole Tom Coughlin debacle too? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, I, I, I don't know, John. It's, you know, it's just easy to get the retweets and to get the favorites because you trash Howie Roseman. It just is. Yeah, and sometimes he deserves to be trash. Sometimes oh, he, does. he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, personnel evaluation, I think, is a legitimate concern with Harry Roseman. He always leverages trades very well. Um, you know, uh, w- the offseason uh, narrative the entire time was, oh, my God, how could you take on this dead money, cap this, cap that? And here we are mid-season, and the Eagles have the second-most cap money in the NFL because they're able to manipulate things. Now, there's other parts. They probably would have liked to move Fletcher Cox. They couldn't because of the restructures and the money and all that kind of thing. Uh, But that was only part of it. They also wanted a significant, um, uh, significant haul to come back in this direction, very similar to Zach Ertz. They're holding out. Um, so he's far from perfect, but he's not the boogeyman. You know, this is my, I'm so, I don't even want to call it a love hate thing because when I get on Howie Roseman, it's definitely for, and again, this is more on Lori than it is Howie Roseman. When you got rid of Carson Wentz and you got rid of Doug Peterson, the, the slate should have been wiped clean and Howie Roseman's stain should have been gone from this organization. And it wasn't, and I get why they keep him, but yeah, we can talk to Blue in the face about their three draft picks in the first round, but can you really trust the guy who's in charge to make those picks? The guy who decided 
you know what, Jalen Rager, uh, ultimately, Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Mecca. I know the Eagles weren't the only team to do this, but there's a common theme here, and we all know how he's track record in the draft is far from perfect. No, and I think that is, look, he's in charge, and he'll be the first to tell you that. He's in charge of football operations. I think there's context that is often missing in all those picks. The Eagles will tell you, and I think they're telling the truth, uh, everybody wants to run away from the Jefferson Rager thing. I do believe that it was a coaching staff decision. They were trying to get the player the coaching staff wanted at that particular time. However, you got to say, guess what, guys? No, you you got to put your your foot down and say, no, this this kid's just a better player, and we're going to go in that direction. So I think while the criticism is valid, I think the criticism is off base uh, of how that went down. And as far as DK Metcalf, look, the Eagles didn't necessarily think JJ Ortega Whiteside was was a better player than DK Metcalf. Uh, they medically red flagged DK Metcalf yeah, because of some issues he had. And he was off the board. He was not an option uh, until day three uh, for the Eagles. And that was a medical staff. So again, more, I think more goes into it. And by the way, they were by hardly the only team that the Colts took Paris Campbell over. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals took Andy Isabella. So again, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people red flagged uh, uh, DK Metcalf for for health reasons uh, and weren't going to look at him until day three of the draft. Some completely took him off the board. So all of that context, I think you have to add in if you want to be fair. But not a lot of people want to be fair at times. Uh, but I digress. You know what's upsetting about that whole thing, John? The Eagles brought in both A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf multiple times. And they didn't draft either of them. And I still I still can't believe they fell as far as they did in the draft. I know why D.K. Metcalf did, but A.J. Brown was the one. I'm like, how did he go this far down? Like, you just let Tennessee get him. Yeah, it's such a – I mean, the NFL as a whole, You, we could do – 15 shows on personnel evaluators and what they value, what they don't value. And it shifts. I mean, one of, one of the problems with the Eagles um, with Joe Douglas moving, you know, back, bringing Joe, uh, Joe in, he gets the Jets job. You elevate Andy Weidel has been the ship. You know, sometimes they look at measurables. Sometimes they look at college production. There's no, no consistency. I think if you look at, probably Baltimore through the Yazzie Newsom and, and now uh, Eric DaCosta eras um, have been the best team. Uh, that's sort of the gold standard to use Jeffrey Lurie's term. You got to have conviction, man. You're going to miss. It, it's not. And generally when you miss, it's not because of, of, of physical traits, uh, players who miss it's because of, the other stuff, the intangibles, work ethic, football IQ, that kind of stuff. And that's why it's not an exact science. If I'm going to criticize the Eagles and Howie Roseman for one thing when it comes to evaluation, I don't see the consistency. One year college production doesn't work, so they go measurables. One year measurables don't work, so they go back to college production and so on and so forth. you you got to have confidence in yourself 
and you got to show that conviction. I haven't seen that from the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll talk about I want to get back to the Chargers uh, after the break, and I want to talk about that relationship that I that I mentioned. Brandon, Brandon Staley, Jonathan Gannon. It's amazing what, what this has wrought from age 10 to Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. More about that on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mess and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Coming down the home stretch on a football Friday, Eagles, Chargers, we. Uh, trying to get that playoff talk geared up, Jeff Kerr. I think it's realistic. Some people don't like it. Playoffs, we'll go Jim Mara. It probably is. It's way too early. But the bottom line we're trying to say is the seventh seed in the NFC is not going to be very good. So it's going to be right around 500. And if you can get to right around 500, you're going to be in the conversation. And because of how soft the Eagles' schedule is, in the second half, 
they should be able to get right around 500. So I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I don't know if it's indifferent. But this team's going to be in the playoffs. It's going to be like when the Saints played the Chicago Bears in the playoffs yeah. last year. That will be the Nickelodeon wildcard game for all of us. Exactly. Here. So it'll be fun watching people get slimed on Nickelodeon. Look at look at the bright side. Get some get some uh, playoff uh, at least angst in some of these young players. Get them feeling what it means to play meaningful games in December in the NFL. Uh, and then hopefully, who knows, you get a real meaningful game in January. But I do want to talk about Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, the Eagles defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. Um, those two start, they, they met each other when they were 10 years old playing basketball in the Cleveland area. Um, Jonathan was at uh, St. Ignatius High School, which is pretty famous in that part of the country. Uh, and, and, and Brandon was at Perry, uh, high school, which is, he said about 40, uh, 40 minutes away, but it started even earlier than that. And they've been, uh, essentially best friends <laughs> since they were 10 years old. They were in each other's wedding. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is the godfather of Brandon Staley's youngest son. Uh, and here they are. And it's funny, Jonathan, was 30 years old, Jeff Kerr, and he was already in the NFL as an assistant coach uh, with the Tennessee Titans. And all of a sudden, another St. Ignatius uh, guy came with a job offer, Ted Arth, who was the head coach at John Carroll, and said, come be my defensive coordinator. And Jonathan Gannon said, look, I, I want to stay in the NFL. This is my dream. Uh, I, I ultimately want to go as high as I can go in this profession. Uh, and he declined the job. And, and Ted Arth, who just got, by the way, fired at Akron, unfortunately, uh, said, well, who would you hire? Uh, and he said, Brandon Staley. Um, and that sort of set Brandon Staley off onto his path. He took that defensive coordinator job, ultimately, um, got a D coordinator job, I think, at James Madison. Then he went back to John Carroll. Then he got in the NFL <clears throat> as an assistant, and then he hooked up with Sean McVay. And if you hook up with Sean McVay and you're on his you're coach's be staff, head coach, <laughs> you've been touched by the hand of God in the current NFL. He's sort of like Andy Reid. Is Sean McVay's this generation's Mike Holmgren? Like, if you're an assistant under him, you're just going to get yes. it. Yes. Yes. If you are working at a Starbucks and give Sean McVay a coffee, you're going to get an interview. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're on the staff, you're going to get a job. Uh, and Brandon Staley, now there's some. Obviously, Wade Phillips was a big part of Sean McVay's early success. But, you know, Wade was over 70 years old at that point, And, you know, people aren't looking for that in a head coach. But if yeah, if you're on his staff, you're you're gonna be you're gonna get a lot of opportunities because that's how well regarded. So people ask the question, well, you 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 probably heard that Jonathan Gannon was going to be a defensive coordinator in the NFL because there was a lot of interest in him. And if the Eagles didn't hire him, somebody else would have. And that's true. And a lot of people say, How come he's not 
in the Chargers with his best friend uh, as his defensive coordinator? And the answer should be pretty obvious, Jeff. Brandon Staley's a defensive coach. So Jonathan Gannon would be a Shane Steichen to Nick Sirianni um, with the Chargers, where here he's got the autonomy to sink or swim and perhaps, you know, develop that reputation. It's always more difficult for defensive coaches in general. And hopefully you get to that next level. But pretty amazing story. Have you ever heard and these guys, think about that butterfly effect. Two kids meeting 10 years old playing AAU basketball. And then over 25 years later, they're at Lincoln Financial. So it was funny. Actually, when Jonathan Gannon got hired, you know, I I forget who told me this. You know, I remember getting a text from one of my NFL sources on my phone. Like, you know, Jonathan Gannon and Brandon Staley were in each other's wedding. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how does this happen? Like, that was the only – that's as far as – I didn't know that it, it went all the way back, but I figured they were friends. I mean, you're in somebody's wedding. You, you have to know somebody, right? You have to know for a long time. And I just think to myself, how does this possibly happen? But then again, I went to the same high school as Wayne Ellington until Wayne went to Episcopal. So, you know, it, it kind of all meshes in at some point. And, you know, it's – it, it's weird when you think about that stuff. Like I, I still think of like famous people, like when I was a kid or, you know, who who's with what, and I guess that's the same thing with Jonathan Gannon, Brandon Staley. They just kind of rose up the ranks a bit and you know, it's, it's the same thing. It's. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And, and they were both point guards and they both played basketball for years and years and years. And, you know, that's LeBron James's league and they were in that league. Yeah back in the Cleveland area. So they were really good. They were really competitive. They often faced off against each other. Um, and that's where they sort of grew to have a, you know, sort of a competitive respect for each other. Uh, and ultimately that developed into that friendship to the point where, you know, they're asking life advice and, and, you know, Jonathan played down his, his getting, um, Brandon Staley, the job at John Carroll. And he said, all I did was, you know, give him the name. Uh, but Brandon Staley talked this week about Jonathan Gannon. He said, flat out, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jonathan Gannon. And it is interesting to see when you see, and they're both young guys, they're both 38, I think, uh, the exact same age to, to, <laughs> to come from that 10 year old league in 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 cleveland ohio to nfl where they are the status and all the the trials and tribulations i mean jonathan wanted to play in the nfl uh that was his dream and uh it was that was my dream and then i well yeah but he realized that wasn't happening yeah he he well he had a better chance than people like i mean most people he was a great athlete he, he played basketball, obviously. He played uh, football, and, and he ran track and ultimately went to the University of Louisville. Pro- people probably know that. Yeah. Um, and he was a defensive back. Now, the reason he chose football over basketball is because he got that advice, and he said, well, look, you're, you're not going to play in the NBA. You just don't have the stature as good a, as a player as he was. Um you could maybe, if things go right, make it into the NFL. 
and that's why he chose uh, football over basketball. And ultimately, he was a, a pretty good player at Louisville, and he had a serious hip injury, and that was it um, from a competitive football standpoint. And then he got right into coaching, uh, and he's taken the fast track there. Um, Emmett Thomas is the guy that he gives uh, most of the credit for developing him as a coach, and then Mike Zimmer. Um, and or he's he right there. Or near Emmett Thomas, who probably made Brian Dawkins a Hall of Famer, if you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, Emmett Thomas was, uh, for people that don't know, was a great uh, defensive back himself and um, turned into a long-time, uh, long-time coach, um, He's still doing it, I think. Yeah, I have he's to look still up. Doing it. <laughs> I think he's with. Uh, no, he's not doing it anymore. Oh, he, he's out now. Okay. Yeah. He's, he was, he he most recently was uh, the secondary coach for Andy Reid, so he's been out for a couple years. Okay. Uh, but, I thought he was still kind of on that staff. I remember when I was going through the Chiefs coaching. I, I thought I saw him in there as like maybe a senior, like assistant or something, but maybe that was two years ago. Yeah, uh, but I mean, he was a he was a all pro player, uh, and the reception Super Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah. He he won three Super Bowl championships. I mean, he was a great player. He's in the Chiefs Hall of Fame, um, and and then he was a long time coach, starting with the Redskins. He was a coordinator here. Obviously, people remember that he was a coordinator uh, under. Um, in both Green Bay and Minnesota, just you know, a legend. Ray Rhodes, <laughs> he always went with Ray. I think he went with Ray Rhodes to Green Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he did exactly. Uh, it, he was here as the defensive coordinator, went to Green Bay, and then he went to Minnesota under uh, Denny Green. Uh, and then he was with the Falcons for a long time, but just a legend as a player and a coach, and ultimately. Uh, you know, Mike Zimmer's one of those guys who's taken a lot of hits, uh, right, rightfully so. I mean, his game management is just atrocious. But <laughs> if you talk to people in this league, as far as defensive coaches go, he's if he's not the guy, he's one of the guys, and that's who Jonathan Gannon kind of leans on. So I just thought it was interesting, and I wanted to share that with the listeners because, man, it's weird. And these guys are are where they are, and 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 ready to to compete again in a different way at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, you want to hear a good one, uh, John? So I'm in on the Saints Zoom call because I did the Saints Buccaneers game Sunday night, so I'm in on the post game presser. And you know, Sean Payton's answering questions about who his quarterback's going to be, and he, he's in a great mood because he just beat the Bucs at Trevor Simeon, and he drops a Ty Detmer reference on you, and I'm like. Yeah, you know, he, you know, I, I had a player like him once, Ty Detmer, and some of you might not know who he is. He seems to be kind of laughing. I'm like, people seem to forget Sean Payton was the quarterback's coach for the Eagles at one point in time. That was his first NFL job. I'm like, wow. It's, yeah. It's actually incredible when you think about it. He was the quarterback's coach of a team who averaged 10.1 points per game and couldn't even figure out who their quarterback was those last couple yeah, of Yeah, if there was a, a freezing cold takes back in the day, there was a, a certain radio host that will go nameless. I won't I won't throw him under the bus that 
called Sean Payton the worst assistant coach in the history of the world uh, when he was here. Uh, and that didn't work out too well. Yeah, yeah um, he, he turned out to be free. But by the way, you know, everybody loves the I, – I know for coaching reasons now I'm going here with John Gruden. But everybody loves to rip John Gruden. I'm like, John Gruden made Ty Detmer a competent quarterback. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, but uh, my issue with John Gruden is he made a lot of good quarterbacks unconfident because he, he he's a better you know, coordinator than he is a coach. I'll yeah, say. he he he's that guy. I always joked about John Gruden. He's the guy who falls in love uh, quicker than anybody. He could be at a bar, see the first pretty girl. He's going to fall in love. He's going to walk five steps. He's going to fall in love again. That's sort of what he was with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Brad Johnson is a, 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 a friend of mine over the years, and I thought he was a really underrated quarterback from the perspective of just how smart he was and um, his ability to run a team. Now, he wasn't a star, but, you know, he didn't make mistakes. Um, yeah, he had a pretty decent arm. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. Well, before he had a neck injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, and before the neck injury, he had his arm was fine. But the point is, you win a Super Bowl with the guy because he's so smart, uh, and he's able to manage, you know, the game with a great defense. But John Gruden couldn't accept that man, couldn't accept it, and you had to go out and get. I forget who they wanted. Um, who was that Tampa Bay? I don't remember. I remember well, Brian Bell. Well, the Super Bowl team are after Brad Johnson. After Brad Johnson. Well, they had Chris Sims. They had Garcia. I, there's somebody else. I'm yeah, there's of. someone in the middle there. I'm yeah, trying somebody to else. I mean, Bob Johnson I'll, was before him. Yeah, I'll try to figure out. Brian Bellick did the same thing in Baltimore. They won with the great defense um, and Trent Dilfer. And they went and got wasn't, who wasn't nearly as good as Brad Johnson. Just, you know, they they were – he couldn't accept it, though, and he went out and got Elvis Gerbach. That I remember. And sure enough, Elvis threw for a lot of yards, and they were much more impactful offensively, but they weren't as good. So, you know, there's different ways to win. It's much more difficult to win now with the game manager. Um but it is interesting to see how the ego of coaches can get in the way uh, on occasion. And that, uh, yeah, Elvis Robach story for you. So, you know, I idolized Steve Young. I loved Steve Young when I was a kid. I wasn't a 49ers fan, but I loved Steve Young. And every time he would get injured against the Packers in the playoffs, I'm like, well, here comes Elvis Gerbach. Game's over. Three picks. Uh, yeah, they, they would just torture him. You know, that whole Packers defense or Reggie White just ate that guy for lunch because he could catch him. I've never seen such an immobile quarterback like Elvis Gerbach. Um, yeah, he was. He was a bit he was a bit stationary. And that's not what the Eagles have right now. They have a very uh capable quarterback when it comes to making plays uh with the running game and when it comes to sort of uh helping and accentuating the running game, which as we go into this game with the Chargers, Jeff, uh, the Eagles rank sixth in the NFL in rushing offense. And that's obviously is uh, a big part of what they do offensively. So I want to throw it out to you before we give our predictions after the break. 
I want to throw it out to you. Game plan. How are you going to win this game? Game plan this game for me. Yeah, this is like the old Andy Reid days, right? Run the ball, Andy. Run, run the ball, Nick. Run the ball down this team's throat and keep Justin Herbert off the football field. Just this team cannot stop a lick running the football. You know, we said there, Joey Bosa does not get paid to stop the run. He gets paid to stop to tackle the quarterback in the backfield. And I think you got to create design runs with this quarterback. You're not disguising Jalen Hurts in this inefficiency. This is where my Jalen Hurts might be half decent theory comes in. You know, run the I'm football. still laughing about that, by the way. I, 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 yeah, you've been laughing for 24 hours. I mean, but look, the Eagles did this with A.J. Billy years ago. They got a second-round pick out of him. So, you know, anything's possible. Oh, no, like, you can spin them off. But I, I just picture – I picture the Eagles – around the table at the Novacare complex trying to evaluate players. And I just picture Andy Weidel or Howie Roseman say, well, he might be half decent. That's, you know, that's when you turn the The next time I interview Jalen Hurts, he he always remembers stuff and he'll be like, might be half decent. He'll say it right before the interview. I'm like, it's tough, man. We're guts to these people. Oh yeah. When you, (laughs) Hey, try showing up every day after you wrote something negative. (laughs) Oh man, it's a, you know, when I still talk to Justin Herbert at the Ravens game, you know, he's still like, he goes, How's my boy Shane Steichen doing? I'm like, oh, Yeah, that's right. I forgot he was your offense coordinator at one point. So, yeah, they, they, they always were. I remember I'm asking questions about his rookie season. And I throw in the Shane Steichen comment because he's in Philadelphia. And he's like, Oh, wait, where are you from again? I'm like, Yeah. So I had to get, I had to mix in the Eagles quote, but. Yeah, you got to run the football off this team. Bottom line, just run the. This team is a terrible rusty. In fact, I would watch. I know the Eagles don't do it. No one can do it like Baltimore does. But man, I'd be watching Baltimore Chargers film all day long and be like, "Look, if Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell scored a touchdown against this Chargers team, the Eagles can definitely do this with Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, and Kenny Gain." Are we at that point where we're saying Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Kenny Gainwell are impactful runners or the people just want to run the ball? I just think they want to run the ball. Um, you know, it's again, if <laughs> this would be so much better, Miles Sanders were here, but look, I, I just think Boston Scott can have a big day against this team. Same, same with Jordan. I still think Jordan Howard is a lot more talented than people give him credit for. I know it's all you need a pass catching back now. And that's why he really, it takes him so long to get off the practice squad because he's just not that. But if you need a guy to get you two yards on third and two, to me, he's a guy that can do that. And I think sometimes I think teams are better. This is why I always say like Baltimore is a perfect example of this. They can mix and match running backs in because they don't have a feature back when they did. You know, even when Mark Ingram was running for a thousand yards there, they still had, other guys that can do that. And I think sometimes you don't have to worry about touches for a lot of these guys. Because, look, the Eagles aren't worried about your fantasy football team. They're they're giving the ball to the hot hand or whoever has the ball, you know, whoever's in the you know in the field, that possession. So I, I think it actually helps the Eagles and Nick Sirianni run the football when he doesn't have to worry about, oh, you know, did I get Miles Sanders his 12.4 touches today? You know, because people like me always remember. Hey, well, look. well, so then I'll bring up Jeff. Uh, and we'll go back and we'll have one more chuckle. Might be okay. What was the exact quote? Might be. <laughs> might, might, might be half decent. Might be half decent. Well, do you need to see anything? At what point do you, do you need to see anything from Jalen Hurts to, to make that discussion? Now, I don't want to get you in trouble for the next time you interview Jalen because he does remember everything. 
But to get to might be half decent, I mean, we go back to the Detroit game, 14 throws. You know, Devontae Smith's not getting involved. At what point do you have concern about getting these young receivers developing into the action? Or is it just something you can't worry about in the guts of a season? I mean, if your job is to win football games and, look, you do whatever you can to win a football game. I don't care if he throws 14 or 54 passes. You know, you got to worry about winning football games at this point in the season, especially against a team. I'm not saying you you should beat the Chargers, but – Against teams like Denver, who have good secondaries. Yeah, I'd like to see Jalen Hurts throw the ball more, but the game plan doesn't necessarily dictate that. It's against the bad pass defenses is when I want to see that out of Jalen Hurts. Well, it makes sense. It's funny when you uh, look at this particular team. It's funny. It always works this way. As you mentioned, they are 32nd dead last, the Chargers, uh, the NFL rushing defense, 159.4 yards a game, which is just – tremendously awful um and they're fifth in pass defense it's funny how that works obviously because if you don't have to pass it and you can just run it down people's throats why why bother doing it and it is i you know i asked this to dallas got it yesterday and you i'm sure you've heard it in in a bunch of places nfl teams are always now looking for those hybrid players in the back seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody talks about getting them. The Eagles have tried to do it a hundred times with uh, Nate Gary in the past. Now they trapped Jacoby Stevens. They want, you know, Davion Taylor's undersized. They want speedy guys at linebacker who sort of serve as rovers. And, you know, if you want to compare it to the college level or, or uh, glorified uh king size safeties, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Chargers seem to do it more than most. And they have Drew Tranquil, who's a good player, but he used to he started out as a safety at Notre Dame. He's undersized. He they seem to do it more than most teams. And people just live through it with Eric Wilson. If you got guys who can run but can't hold up and run support, it gets pretty ugly at times. That's why I think, you know, it's kind of shocking how poor they are against the run when I said this back when he was at Great Valley High School. Nasser Ireland was one of the best tacklers I've ever seen. And this is back when he was a short, you know, five foot six, five foot seven kid, 15 years old at Great Valley. He's tackling everybody like he's a college football player. And, you know, it's weird because when he plays, he makes an impact in that secondary. And he's one of those guys you could, you know, put him at linebacker. He's one of those hybrid guys you're talking about. So it's shocking how the Chargers do have good tacklers on this football team. It's just they can't stop the run. Yeah. A lot of that has to do with the guys up front. Their defensive tackles uh, haven't lived up to the building. Uh, billing, certainly Jerry Tillery being, uh, I would think, the most notable. I, I wasn't a fan of him coming into the draft. I yeah, I mean, any time you're drafted, though, as high as he was, you expect a little bit more, and they just haven't gotten it. So I think it starts there. But it's almost time. It's almost that time, Jeff. Uh, as we head into our last break, I want to give you the opportunity to mull over who you're picking in this game. we got to go on record. Eagles, Chargers, and Jody McDonald checking in. Ooh from 
Key West Florida has been nice enough to offer his prediction. He wanted to get that on the record. Are you going to have to wait? We're going to put a bow on the show after the break. More birds, 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mess and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Back. First 365, Football Friday, Eagles Chargers edition. Uh, Jeff Kerr, I'm just looking at Jody McDonald's uh, prediction for Sunday's game at the Chargers. Checking in from Key West, Florida, all the way from Key West, Florida. So I'll give Jody's prediction first. Negative Nelly, man. Everybody says I'm the negative one. Ed Kratz picks negative, John McMullen. Yeah. Always be negative. Ed Kratz picks the Chargers. Jody Mack picking the the Los Angeles Chargers to win this football game, twenty three to twenty. Mm. Wah, wah. 
I'm picking the Chargers too. <laughs> ah, there we go. See, 27 right. 24. It's going to be, I, I do think the Eagles are going to take this team down to the wire. And I think they're going to put themselves in a position to win it. I just think Justin Herbert does make a difference here, makes a crucial throw or two when he needs to, and they get that late field goal. And we're all going to be upset. It, it, but the Eagles are going to play tough this game. I, I, I really feel that way. You know, if they go to three and six, so be it. I like the schedule coming up. I think they're going to have a lot of momentum over these last few weeks. Well, uh, you're right. I, I mean, I, as I said, I think this could – uh, shape up as being the uh, most difficult game uh, uh, from this point forward. I really believe that if, if things work out. Now, I, I explained the Dallas situation. Dallas is clearly a better team, but by the time that game comes around in week 18, it just might not mean all that much. So, um, uh, it, look, it, it, I, I've said this is a winnable game for the Eagles. But, you know, when you say that, I think people forget by definition in the NFL, that means it's also a losable game. And this is certainly a losable game for the Eagles as well. However, again, and I hope people remember remember this, I'm going to be the positive one. Uh, The Eagles are 0-3, as I mentioned, at Lincoln Financial Field. They've generally dominated there during the Doug Peterson era. The early opponents were all projected to be very difficult coming into the season. Um, Even up two of the first three, San Francisco, Kansas City, uh, have have underachieved for the most part. Uh, Tampa Bay still is Tampa Bay. Bottom line, though, is you have the two Super Bowl uh, teams from last year. You have uh, last season. You have San Francisco people thought would be a playoff contender. Hasn't worked out that way uh, necessarily. Um, I'm playing the odds here. I'm playing the odds. That's that's all I'm doing. At some point, you got to win a football game at home. It's just going to work out for you. I played you. the odds last week, John. It didn't work. <laughs> well, I, I picked the Eagles to win. I didn't pick them, as you said, to to beat the spread. So I'm I'm still I'm still having a, a good little stretch picking winners when it comes to the Eagles game. And I think they're going to win this game. It's going to be very close, as as everyone has, has stated. Ed Kratz, uh, Jody McDonald, uh, um, and, and Jeff. It's going to be a one-score game. Eagles 24, Chargers 23. I'm going to say this, too. I think this is going to be a playoff-type atmosphere Sunday. Uh, you know, the great John Madden always had a quote, and I he always said this, too. His game's on CBS, his game's on Fox. It's only a November game. It's only early November, but these are playoff-type games because they determine seeding. They determine if you're going to the playoffs, if you can go to the play. They determine your season, and I think it's going to be a playoff-type atmosphere Sunday. So if they do win, which I think they definitely have a shot at doing it, I – you know, I think it's because this team's going to be fired up because they know one of the big bad boys in the AFC is coming here. By the way – Here's another karma stat for you. Eagles haven't been an AFC team since week eight against Buffalo Bills in 2019. Yeah. Well, that, you know, there's a couple things that concern me. I would say with that concern, the Chargers haven't won in a while. You you mentioned the yeah, Baltimore game. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned the Baltimore game you were at. Then they went on a bye, and then they lost to the Patriots. So it's been, a you know, they're antsy to get back in the win category. 
and they're not a bad football team. So that concerns me. Also, you like when you have a West Coast team coming east, you'd like to have a one o'clock window. You'd like to have that game at one o'clock if you're yeah. the home team, because then it becomes a body clock uh, game for the West Coast team. Uh, like me, it's too dark. I can't get up in the morning. <laughs> you know, it screws up your body clock. Um, it's not going to be that. It's a 405 game. So uh, the Chargers get a little bit of, of a break in that particular aspect of it. But Jeff Kerr, I mean, come on. I'm the negative one, but here we go. I hope people are watching. Jody Mack is telling you the Chargers are winning. Ed Kratz, Eagle Maven Ed, is telling you the Chargers are winning. Jeff Kerr, the great Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, telling you the Chargers are winning. Meanwhile, double agent John McMullen. That's what I hear you're called, John. Johnny Mack. <laughs> Johnny Mack is picking your Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. And that's why you should like, share, and subscribe uh, here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Football Friday marches on. Uh, after we're done, by the way, you can watch us anytime on demand at the Jacob Media YouTube channel, but you can stay tuned live. Uh, Aton Shander, Harry Mays, Barrett Brooks for the middle. Uh, then Dan Cilio will uh, wrap things up in a nice little bow with the National Football Show uh, here on Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, football 24-7, you can listen to me there. I'll be at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday. We'll do uh, the pregame show. We'll do the postgame show with Mark Barzetta, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney, John McMullen. Um, exciting stuff, Jeff Kerr. Uh, everybody enjoy the game. We'll see you Monday. More Burst 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.